Growing numbers return to rugby in Wales and the chance to hear from the Welshman coaching the best side in Super Rugby in New Zealand in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. This will speak to Mark Jones, the former Wales wing, former Wales Scarlets and RGC coach on his new role with Super Rugby side the Crusaders, just crowned champions in New Zealand and also New Zealand provincial team Canterbury shortly. But first, people have been back rugby training in Wales for a few weeks now, men, women, girls and boys. This week, touch rugby was added to the mix in the new normal. Liz Jones went to training in Caerphilly to find out more. Adrian Evans, WRU Regional Manager, Dragons Region. Adrian, how good is it to see clubs like Caerphilly here back and female hubs, Chargers, back training uh, fantastic to see so many people here training tonight and after such a long layoff just over five months it's just great to see clubs getting back up and running there's clearly an appetite to come back with registration numbers high just in the first few weeks since this reopened yeah i think people have been really keen to get back to the social element of rugby and just to be able to come together it's been you know such a such a difficult and uh, time for people just that opportunity to come back together and be together whether it be training for seniors or uh, minis and juniors and youth uh, we've got the girls hub here tonight as well uh, numbers have been really positive and i think part of it is people just wanting to come together and that's that's something that rugby can really give us stringent measures in place uh, perhaps that's given people confidence that you know it's as safe as it can be as well right now as a sport i think being outside lends itself to partly to that but also i would say that clubs have worked tremendously hard certainly within the dragons region to be able to reopen their doors or their gates just onto their fields and we're seeing significant numbers back to training right across the game from under sevens through to seniors so that's a real positive for us we saw earlier this evening the charges of excellent numbers they've got a new under 18s side so from a female point of view too yeah registrations are up for the charges they've been working really hard right across the sort of Caerphilly Basin area and they've been well supported by the women senior clubs as well in terms of being able to engage more girls into the game and, and that's really what we're looking for and, and that's apparent right across the region for us with the Arrows as well, the Jesters and the Knights. From a player welfare point of view and a Covid safety point of view, stuck to fitness and skills up to now but players and clubs be pleased to introduce some touch rugby now too. Yeah, just as part of that return to rugby I think couple of weeks where teams have done probably a lot of what they would have done uh, in a pre-season program anyway in terms of their fitness and ball skills but now this is a real really good opportunity to uh, use touch rugby uh, to get them back into playing it's been such a long time since since most people will have played a game or since anybody will have played the game and touch rugby offers a variety of, of ways in which you can challenge players and increase skill levels still important to remember all the measures in place with the small group training no car sharing and social distancing within all other aspects of the game though too so we can be back and stay back yeah the touch rugby is just the next step for us really but of course all of those those measures that clubs have been adhering to to get training on still need to be adhered to and, and that's going to be really important so no huddles and keeping that two meter social distancing outside of those touch games is still really really important it's good to hear the numbers are strong as training develops week on week. 
But now, onto somewhere where rugby is fully back, and there are even crowds watching the games as Canterbury Crusaders came out on top of the New Zealand Super Rugby teams. Scott Razor Robertson is the head coach, but working under him as attack coach is former Wales wing Mark Jones, who's also spent time coaching Wales, the Scarlets, and RGC in North Wales, as well as working under Phil Davis with Namibia in the last Rugby World Cup. WIU website manager Graham Gillespie and I spoke to Mark after he'd finished training with Canterbury. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Well, Mark, first of all, welcome. How's life finding you in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, evening, boys. Yeah, look, it's good. Uh, obviously, it's pretty full on at the moment, just jumping out of one campaign into another, trying to tidy up all the review stuff from the Crusaders campaign and trying to put the other cap on, ready going into the into the new Mighty 10 series. So uh, it's busy, but enjoyable. Mark, as you know, it wasn't that long ago, you were driving up and down the A470 to the RGC and now you've led the Crusaders to total glory. Do you have to pinch yourself how quickly this sort of thing has happened? <laughs> I'm not sure if I've led him to title glory, but obviously just uh, one of the cogs in the machine. Yeah, look, it's been a great uh, 12 months, really. Uh, just backing off the World Cup, going there with Phil, with Namibia. It was an awesome opportunity. And obviously we came across the All Blacks on that particular tour. Great experience. And then to jump straight out of that into uh, Super Rugby and uh, Aotearoa has been terrific. And I haven't had really time to absorb it that much, Graham, if I'm honest with you. But it's been really enjoyable. And prior to that, obviously, as you mentioned, I was up in RGC and... Uh, Love my time up there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a good couple of years in fairness. How do you look back on the time at RGC? Because obviously a lot's happened there since you've left as well. So Yeah, 100%. Oh, look, it was a brilliant time for me. Everybody there were, were terrific in terms of uh, welcoming me in, supporting what we were trying to do there. Uh, obviously, um, it was well documented that we wanted to grow the game in North Wales, both from grassroots right up to the sort of semi-professional, professional level, and trying to make RGC as... Um, you know, a real vibrant rugby area that, that hopefully one day will host its own uh, Pro 14 team. That's the dream for everybody up there. And I think the lads up there, coaches that are there now and the players that are still there, they're doing a terrific job. So uh, I certainly learned a lot up there. It gave me an opportunity to learn lots of uh, other things off the field, you know, managing departments, budgets, managing board, obviously on top of trying to work a team. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. Played a big part in my development as a coach, for sure. Talk us through the journey to where you are now then. Obviously, those who will have known me will know that I went from playing into coaching at the Scarlets, spent five years there as a coach, and during that period, got to coach Wales in the Six Nations and on a tour. So that was a really good experience as a young coach coming out of playing. Following that, took a couple of head coach roles, one in the Championship in England, and obviously, as you mentioned, RGC. So those are really important for me because I'd only ever really been a player going into coaching or an assistant coach. So I think it was just you know, there's so limited opportunity as a head coach in the game in general. I just thought it was a good opportunity to grow me. You know, I didn't do the traditional route of a coach because I've been a professional player. You, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to work your way up through schools, rugby, grassroots rugby. Uh, I was lucky that I coached my local team while I was playing. and So I've been backfilling a little bit, just uh, you know, getting those experience and finding out the best way to do things. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been lucky. I've had a good mixture of experience at both ends of the scale, really. And yeah, I'm just chuffed that it's ended up with me currently being in the Crusaders in Canterbury. So how did that come about? Oh, look, it was um, basically a phone call, really, while I was out in the World Cup. Uh, my agent, Rob Appleyard, called me and said, oh, look, I've heard the Crusaders in Canterbury maybe looking for a coach to sort of come in. Uh, Ronan's uh, leaving to go to France and um, they're having a bit of a reshuffle there. And Scott's really keen, Razor's really keen to bring that Northern Hemisphere eye in. Uh, we're looking for a 
a younger coach who's worked at all areas of the game, worked on both sides of the ball, defence and attack, and somebody who, who's not long finished playing. I think that was that was something that he wanted as well. Uh, and somebody who's going to connect from a personality perspective because he, he likes to have a real good mix to his group. So um, Rob suggested for me to allow him to put my name forward because I don't think it was officially advertised. I think it was a case of they were looking sort of internally and a couple of people threw my name forward and um, they, yeah, they wanted to speak to me and it just went from there really then. Spoke to Razor uh, and then when Razor showed his intent and interest, I got Canterbury involved and went through a formal process then of, of interviews, you know, on shortlist. So uh, what's Scott Robertson like as a coach? Have you enjoyed that experience? Have you picked up any breakdancing tips? Oh, look, we haven't seen any breakdancing. <laughs> uh, obviously, he was saving that, I think, for Eden Park. Should we have got a win up there at the end? But, um, oh, look, he's been terrific for me personally, just been really supportive in terms of just allowing me to be myself as a coach. Doesn't want to change the way that I coach, um, wants to just improve me. So whether that's by giving me intellectual property around, you know, the tactics of the game, things that he's picked up through his career, or whether it's uh, how you deliver in a meeting, always sharing that, you know, that, those little tippets, those little bits of help that are just going to improve you both on the grass and in the classroom. And as I said, he's allows you to be yourself, allows you to just to, to, to bring your own personality to it and engage with the boys and, that coming into a new environment has been really vital for me because, you know, when you're coming into a new country, new competition, working with, you know, top internationals, you want to be yourself because obviously if you try to put an act on, you can't keep that up forever. So it's just nice that you can be yourself and, and be accepted for being yourself. It's no secret that Razor went up to uh, Warren Gatlin asking for a Lions job. You are going to do something similar, are you? You know, Warren? <laughs> oh, look, the first I'd heard about it was when I read about it, obviously, with, through the media, but... Yeah, look, Ray's a, he's a great guy and you can just see from reading the article just around, you know, his ambition to get better himself. As a player, you always want to improve yourself because you, you want to make sure that you play to the highest tension and I think coaching is no different. You want to expose yourself to as many experiences as you can, pick up as much info as you can because if you stop getting better as a coach, your players will stop getting better. So he knows that, you know, the All Blacks road is blocked a little bit at the moment with with obviously the new coaching group that are in there so you know he's thinking to himself well I could wait four years and maybe have another opportunity or not depending on how the current group go or I can get out there and and start that process of improving myself so I think he's just being the proactive guy that he is he's offered his help which why wouldn't you he's got huge success he'd add value to any environment that he went into so I I can't blame the guy and uh, you know being British and the Lions you obviously want coaches in the northern hemisphere to be involved in those tours just like you want you want players and from your home nations to be involved in all the nations but you know it's professional sport and coaches they'll pick a mix that they feel is the best to get the result at the end of the day you're obviously a proud welshman you know you played for wales in a rugby mad country you're now living in a rugby mad country have you picked up any similarities i know times are different at the moment because of coronavirus but have you sensed how rugby plays such an important role in new zealand as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's huge. You know, it does gauge the mood of the country. There's no doubt about that. Just seeing everybody's reaction when the Super Rugby was cancelled initially because of the COVID. Real downer on things. Sports huge here. There's people, football, rugby, it's played on all the parks on the weekends. You know, just to see the parks empty for that period of time, just with the odd person sort of exercising now and again for a couple of hours versus, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people running around. It was a real eye-opening moment and then when obviously we're able to get out of the lockdown get back to it and it's been huge the mood of the country's just risen and I think we've got to remind ourselves sometimes how lucky we've been to have Aotearoa you know my boys are back playing rugby locally as well which has made a huge difference to them just moving to a new country just being able to interact with friends and meet parents and 
mean, it's made such a difference. And I, I know in the UK, you're just getting back to that professionally. But of course, uh, the kids, as I understand it at the moment, are just training in small groups and, and they're not able to get back to it. So, yeah, I think they're very similar countries. And hopefully Wales will get back to where something like we are now at the moment and get back out and enjoy look footy again. And of course, you were able to do something that we can over here and actually play in front of crowds. Yeah, absolutely. So, although, like I said, I switched TV on this morning just before I shot into work and ate my cereal, and I could see Bristol and Exeter going for it on the on the TV live. And as much as it was a great game, it was obviously, and they were piping a bit of noise in through the TV feeds. It just didn't look anything like, obviously, the Aotearoa, where you had all the thousands. You know, we had over you know eighteen to twenty thousand in most of our games, and obviously they've had thirty or forty thousand up in in Eden Park. So. Yeah, even though rugby's starting back over with you guys, you just haven't got that crowd atmosphere anymore, which which is actually a big buzz as a player. You know, that's where you get a lot of your energy from. So it's a big challenge for the players actually to to deliver that emotion, you know, without the crowd there. Are you still keeping an eye on the Scarlet's progress? 100%. I always look at how the teams get on in Wales, all the teams actually, see how they're tracking. Always have a look at RGC and my local team, Bilf, as well. So I haven't been able to do that recently, but yeah... Uh, I saw the Scarlets game against the Blues over the weekend. That's a great start for the Scarlets. Glenn will be really pleased with the way the group have, have just kicked on, really, from his arrival after Brad, obviously, getting them going really well prior to him leaving. And they just look like they've you know, carried on where Brad left them, really. So uh, when you uh, left Wales, did you have like a two, three-year, four-year master plan or are you just taking it as it comes? No, no real master plan. they just... Um, got a two-season opportunity over here, or two-year opportunity, and just wanted to really, you know, embrace it and make the most of it. And, you know, like I told the family, because it was a big move for us, and, you know, we were be lying if we told you we hadn't thought long and hard around it, because it's a no-brainer from a work perspective. But for my wife, who had to leave her work, and for the kids to leave their schools and family, it's, uh, it was a big decision. So we're just enjoying every day as it comes. Like you say, it, it probably hasn't been smooth sailing, because... Um, just because of COVID and the scenarios around it. But boys in Helen have loved Christchurch. It's such a great city and there's lots to do here. It's really outdoorsy part of the world and we're all into that type of lifestyle. So, um, yeah, we're enjoying it. And uh, like I say, we're, we'll get this mighty 10 underway now and really enjoy that for what it is and take stock at Christmas. And fingers crossed we can get on for Christmas for a little while and catch up with everybody and get back to it next year. Yeah, so if you could explain maybe the mighty 10 Cup, because the people over here may not be familiar with it, but obviously... You were with the Crusaders, which is the franchise, isn't it? And then you go from the Aotearoa competition to what, what you've got, the provincial competition? Yeah, provincial unions, basically. So obviously New Zealand, similarly to UK and Wales, is obviously divided up into its districts or regions, however you want to Provinces, describe them. Yeah. Give you an example. The Crusaders is, is represented by Canterbury and Tasman, you know, uh, with the club teams that feed into that super rugby team. But obviously what we get now is the opportunity for those players now they've come out of Super Rugby, the, the selected group will go on and play for the All Blacks and then the remaining players will drop back into that Mighty 10 competition. So I suppose it'd be like um, if a George North or a, or a Lee Halfpenny weren't selected for Wales or they needed some game time, they'd drop down to play for, you know, Slethley or, or Pontypridd or something like that. That would be the, the equivalent, obviously. But of course, the Mighty's full-time professional here and it's run pretty similar to, to Super Rugby in terms of its um, resource and... Um, yeah, and play numbers. So, um, very famous competition. We're actually kicking our pre-season off Friday against North Otago in a Ranfurly Shield challenge that's come our way. So, that's a pretty historic trophy or shield that we've got to protect. And, uh, yeah, we're hoping to get off to a good start. So, what's it like? Because, obviously, with the Crusaders, it's stacked with All Blacks. You're now coming out of that campaign into the Mighty Ten Cup. And someone like Sebu Reese, who you were coaching, 
you're now actually going to be playing against because he's obviously gone to Tasman. Is that going to be yep. a bit strange? One minute he's, you're coaching him and the next minute he's on the opposition? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know. So fortunate the depth of the Crusaders squad is because the provincial unions produce fantastic rugby players. And what it is, it's a great opportunity for those players who pass through the provincial teams into the Super Rugby to come back and actually play with teams that they came through initially that helped develop them and who they've got really close ties with. Uh, and likewise, they get to play against their, their Super Rugby buddies, go head-to-head. So it's quite a unique competition. I actually think it's perfect. I think it's a really good breeding ground for young players. And because the All Blacks are taken out of the competition largely, it creates that void where if you're a young centre coming through and Jack Goodhue and Braden Enor have, have gone to the All Blacks, well, there's a great opportunity for a Dallas McLeod now to come in and, and show that he's ready as well, more than uh, worthy of an opportunity. And if he gets an opportunity, he's in a position to take it. So, yeah, I just think it's, it's great and you can really push your game into the coach's eye on a regular basis. Well, I suppose another classic example would be someone like Will Jordan, who's torn up the strips for Tasman the last couple of years and this year... He was outstanding for you guys in the Crusaders. 100%. You know, he, he's done really well. I think he scored a couple of tries in the final last year. Played on the wing, actually, a fair bit, because Dave Avili was in that fullback berth a little bit. So there's strength and depth. Has been a terrific side. Obviously, they're coached by uh, another Crusaders coach, Andrew Goodman, who obviously I sit next to in the office. So he and I uh, obviously um, will know each other pretty well. And, you know, that just adds to it, you know, that, both teams are going to know each other really well and we'll know some of the, the other provincial teams pretty well. But I think that's the beauty of it. You get to mix things up a little bit, try and pull a couple of things out of the closet that perhaps they haven't seen in Super Rugby and approach things in a different way. But that's the character of these young players. You know, in, in a couple of seasons, as you said, or less, you can be you can be playing for the All Blacks if you have a good mate of 10, Tom. Over here in the UK, we hear about the strength and depth in New Zealand. You've seen it firsthand. Has it surprised you? I'm not surprised by it because I, you know, I've been aware right through my playing days, really, that they've always had incredible strength. You know, it's not like it's just happened over the last five years. They've always had a huge amount of depth and there's a, always a player that turns up in Mike to 10 or turns up in Super Rugby that you've never seen before. And he was the third or fourth choice a year or two ago and now he's just come through and is an All Black. So they've always done it. But I just think the school's rugby here, from what I've seen in the, in the eight or nine months that I've been here, is just so strong. So... You've just got an incredibly competitive breeding ground. And you've got these guys that are just coming out of these schools, which are running incredibly um, well-organized programs, well-resourced, and they're just creating depth. And they're playing regularly, which is important. I think young players are playing regularly and they're engaged. And they naturally feed into, into club footy then, uh, which feeds into the Mitre 10, and then obviously ends up at Super Rugby and All Black. So I just think it's just a really good pyramid of how it works. And there's not a huge amount of population here over and above Wales. I think, you know, we're sort of three and a half, four million, New Zealand are at five. So you have got just an incredible amount of rugby being played in the schools. Crowds come along and watch them as well. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen is people taking, you know, time off work if they're self-employed to come and actually watch their sons playing for a couple of hours and then going back to work. And this, every game seems to be heavily watched. I think that's terrific. I do. The, you know, the, the, the rugby clubs are vibrant as a result of it. You know, I've seen nothing but positivity, really. Christchurch club that my boys are playing at up the road. I think we've got something like 450 junior players, you know. And I know it's got a reasonably good catchment area, but that's terrific. Two or three teams at under 12, two or three teams at under nines, you know, three or four teams at under eight. It's just player numbers are just colossal in this area in particular. Obviously, I can't speak for the rest of New Zealand, but yeah, just a great breeding ground.
when you went to New Zealand, what do you think was the main driver? Was it the fact that you were coaching the World Cup? Was it your experience with Wales Scarlets? What do you think was the key thing that gave you that opportunity? Do you know what? I haven't actually, uh, I haven't actually asked that question to Reza. It's probably something I might do at some point. In regards to the Canterbury, because there was a much more formal process from that side of the, of the deal, because obviously I'm, a, I'm split between the two camps. I, I work for Crusaders, as I said, for the Aotearoa and Super Rugby, and then I slip over into the Mighty Ten. So you know, I went through a formal process, and obviously there were some key elements that they were looking for from Canterbury's perspective. They wanted an attack coach for that role. That was really important. And they wanted somebody that had an attack-minded philosophy and somebody who had coached at a good level, proven track record of not so much necessarily winning things, which I've been lucky enough to do with a couple of teams I've coached. It was more about your ability to develop players because Canterbury, we've got a really young backline. The whole team is pretty young, actually. They wanted a coach that understood development, uh, not necessarily just coaching players who were the finished product. Wanted us to, to really move the players on and, and understand how that works and how we, how we implement that under a high-performance environment. And I suppose if you look at my time at the Scarlets, there was a lot of development there. We had a very young squad, Ken Owens and the Jonathan Davises, the Scott Williams, the George North. So we had a young squad. So it was a very similar process, really, working with young players who you're just trying to help them get better on a daily basis. And three or four years down the line, hopefully they become those those international players that just turn out every week for your country. And um, as far as Canterbury were concerned, they felt I was the best candidate for that. From Razor's perspective, I think I touched on it a bit earlier. I think it was just more around wanted somebody who had played to a high level, coached at a high level, but was going to really bring a different set of eyes to what he saw and how he coached. And to actually challenge the players with different style of delivery, some different ideas around the game and how the game can be played and ultimately work with them on the grass and, and may help them get better. You know, that's ultimately what it is. And I suppose he felt that I was the, the best candidate that he'd spoken to in, in that relationship. Probably a question for him more than me. And then on a personal level, you go over, you make this massive decision to uproot your family and you pretty much walk in, into lockdown. That must have been hard to cope with early on, was it? Yeah, it was tough. You didn't have to talk Helen into it, but um, obviously she'd been working for 20 years as a lecturer, a really stable job. I'm, I'm working in this volatile professional world of rugby and she's been awesome right through my playing and coaching career. So big change for her. Obviously she's taken a sabbatical, but still a big change for her, moving up, leaving home, leaving family and grandparents behind. So it didn't dawn on me lightly because you've got Crusaders and Canterbury Court, you know, basically offering you a role and then you're kind of choosing between your family and your one of the best teams in the world. So uh, it was never going to work unless we were 100% on board. And to be fair, the family were 100% supportive and they accepted that it's going to be tough. It is, we have those days now where the kids are missing home and uh, etc. But yeah, just really grateful for the opportunity that the family have done it. And uh, I think the way they've handled it has been brilliant. I'm hoping now, like you say, now lockdown's gone, they can actually do some of those things that I promised them we could do, like skiing and outdoor mountain biking and all that because that was shut down through lockdown so I was I was kind of pulling my hair up a little bit because all the promises that I'd given them weren't able to be uh, accessed. We heard about the strength of depth on the playing side. Is coaching different? Are you seeing a different approach? Are you seeing something that you can bring back or just a different way of doing things? Oh look, it'll be lots of things that I'll pick up. Different things, you know, not necessarily better or worse. Uh, they're just different. It's just a different way of doing something. Uh, and obviously, there've been some things which I've looked at and gone, "Wow, never would have thought of that." I understand that that's terrific. I see where that fits. I understand now why you're good at that because 
you can't have all the answers. I don't care what coach you are or who you coach. You haven't got all the answers. And there's some, you know, there's lots of good minds out there that are, that are coming up with great ideas all the time. But I, I think the one thing I've picked up from the Crusaders environment, because I don't know what the other provincial unions or the super rugby teams are like, just think the, the desire to get better at the Crusaders is the thing that smacks you in the face. And what I mean by that is the players all live locally so they can get in and out of work, you know, at a drop of a hat. So if they need to do extra work on the computer or catch up with a coach or go in and do some extras they make sure they live locally so they can do that on a regular basis their preparation work off the field is second to none so they're detailed it's not a case of training's finished i've done my extras i've done my ice bath and now i'm going home they will message you at six o'clock you can send them a whatsapp of a video of training you can go for a coffee with them after training like they just want to get better and i think that is right from the kid that's come in from the academy to the All Black that's played 150 times for the Crusaders. You know, it's it really becomes infectious. And yeah, that would be the biggest compliment I pay them. It's, it's that pursuit of excellence, I suppose, is the old term. Is there a benefit in being a foreign voice, I wonder? Because you look at all the overseas coaches there are in Wales. You're there. You talked about the role Phil had with Namibia. There are a lot of Welsh coaches at the World Cup, weren't there? Is there something about being an outsider that helps? Yeah. I think there is. I do. Because when you speak, that voice stands out from the norm, doesn't it? Because everybody else is used to hearing a certain accent or twang. And when it's not a local, and particularly when it's a, a Northern Hemisphere or a pretty uh, unique accent, like Rog was Irish, so um, he had his own Irish quirks that he used. And even the boys joke about those now. and we, They laugh about them and um, their own little sayings. And I think I probably got them as, as a Welshman as well. And the players, I think they definitely do take heed. But I, I just think they're really respectful over here. As I say, they see it as an opportunity to get better. So whether your idea is one they agree with or not, they'll be really upfront and honest with you and say, oh, look, I'm not sure if that's better than what we're doing. Or actually, do you know what? There could be some merit in that. We need to see if we can implement that. So, yeah, I think there is an, an added influence. I think if you're an open-minded person and you're a growth person, if anybody offers you any advice you'd be pretty stupid just to ignore it without considering it. And I think, as again, going back to my point, from the coaches right through to the players here, really open, really got a growth mindset. So it's great for me coming in, really involves you in the process early on and you feel comfortable. You have been involved in Wales and Scarlets as well as obviously RGC and others, but you will be a better coach at the end of this period than you were. I've no doubt about that. Is that something that you do look forward? You do think ambitiously, right? I want to take this experience and go on and, come back to Wales, find a level, with the highest level? What, what are your longer-term plans, do you think? Well, to be honest, I haven't given that much thought at the moment. I, all I've thought about really in the last month is how can I take what I've learned in Super Rugby and apply it to my role with Might Ten to see if we can win that competition? You know, that's ultimately what I've done in the short term because coaching in Altaroa has made me a better coach, no doubt about it. It's opened my eyes to a few different ideas. The game was different because of the law adjustments, etc. So we have to really adjust quickly in a short space of time. So that in itself has made me a better coach. And I've no doubt the experiences I'll pick up over the next three months with Canterbury, again, will, will only add to that. I'll be faced with different pictures, different opposition, play a different way, different weather. So there'll be all sorts of things that'll make me a better coach. And I suppose, you know, I'll be looking at making sure that at the end of this season, when I go into next season with, with Crusaders and Canterbury, that, that, we're just, that I'm better because that means that I'll be able to coach the players to be better. 
And ultimately, you know, like I said, going back to your point around the being out here, I'm looking at it as a two-year contract. Uh, and if it's going really well and we're loving it and we're doing well and the feedback's positive, who's to say it won't be out here longer? I'm really open-minded about it, but I'm proud Welshman. I'd love to, to be back in the UK, coaching in the UK, you know, hopefully in Wales one day. But um, at this moment in time, I'm trying to improve myself, you know, elsewhere and make sure that wherever I go next, uh, I'm a better coach. Well, Mark, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Great to hear how well you're getting on in New Zealand. And Thanks for taking the time and come and ask how we're getting on. We appreciate it. Nice to be thought of back home. And keep staying safe. Oh, 100%. And you guys be obviously keeping a keen eye back home. So obviously we want to see everybody back playing footy and back out and about, but only for safe, you know. Good to hear a young Welsh coach making an impact on the other side of the world. So that's it for this week. Plenty more to report back on next week in the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until then, goodbye and stay safe.